here today. We have a number of guests, and we are thankful for that. We want you to know that if you're visiting with us today, we want you to stay not just for this service, but to stay after this service for the meal that we're having, and then for the 1 p.m. service as well. If you're looking for a church home, we want you to know that we're looking for you and that we would love to sit down, talk with you, and get to know you even better. How many are there among us who have never asked a child, how old are you? You know, all of us think about that. We, we talk about to little children about their age. And you know what they want to do? When you ask them how old they are, one of the things they want to do is they want to tell you. Now, they may have to start working on their fingers. I'm four, and they may have to work it out, you know, getting those fingers together to do that. But they're ready to tell you how old they are. And that's a special thing, isn't it? As a child grows, he gets older, and, and man, he is proud of those birthdays. He looks forward to those birthdays. But, but children, they love, they love getting older, don't they? But as we think about it this morning, do you realize that there is a famous king in the Bible who asked a famous patriarch that same question? He wanted to know, how old are you? As we read this morning from the Bible reading, as Jairus read to us, he read to us about how that Jacob, or rather Joseph, brought his brothers to Pharaoh and let Pharaoh meet his brothers, and they discussed the idea of where they were going to live. They were going to move to the land of Goshen. But then, after that, we find Joseph bringing his father to Pharaoh. And that's found in the next verse, verse 7 and verse 8, of Genesis chapter number 47, the Bible says, Then Joseph brought in Jacob his father and stood him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said to him, How many are the days of the years of your life? Now, if you're reading that from something like the King James or the New King James, I guess, uh, the question is simply put this way, How old are you? Now, as I think about that this morning, I can think of a lot of questions that I would rather have asked Jacob. I would have liked to have asked him about that dream that he had. Now, Pharaoh probably didn't know that, but we remember that dream where he saw the, uh, the folks, the angels going up and down into heaven. We, we know about the story of him working for seven years and then seven additional years to get his wife, Rachel. We, we know all of those things, and I would like to have talked to him about it. But, but, but when Pharaoh saw Jacob, he asked, How many are the days of the years of your life? How old are you? Now, I want to tell you something. Uh, Jacob was not bashful in telling him. When you look at the next passage in verses uh, uh, 9, the Bible says, And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my life are 130 years. 130 Pharaoh wants to know how old are you, and Jacob answers him, I'm 130 years old. Now, I learned a long time ago, you don't ask a lady how old she is, unless she's rather aged, and then you might say, well, how old are you? And she'll proudly tell you, I'm 99, and next month I'll be 100 years old. You know, that's an attainment, isn't it? But Joseph, he was ready to tell Pharaoh, I'm 100 and 30 years old. But you know what? Jacob not only tells Pharaoh how old he is, he, he shares some other information as well. He says, I'm 130 years old. Few and evil have been the days of the years 
of my life. And he goes on and he says, They have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. If you go all the way back to Terah, his great-grandfather, Terah, the Bible says, lived to be 205 years old. If you go back to Abraham, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, chapter 25, at verse number 7, that the days of the years of Abraham's life was 175 years old. Jacob's own father, according to the book of Genesis 35, verse 28, the Bible says, now the days of Isaac were 180 years. Jacob says, I'm just a young whippersnapper in comparison to my, my parents and my grandparents. They lived a whole lot longer. And then he goes on and he talks about how that my days not only are 130 years, and I'm not as old as my ancestors were, but notice that he says, Few and evil are the days of the years of my life. Few and evil. You know what? Even though Jacob had not lived to be as old as, as Isaac or Abraham or Terah, I would have said to Jacob, I said, man, you have had a long life. But, but notice what Jacob said. My days are few. You know, living to be 130 years old, Jacob had only lived 47,450 days. He had lived less than 50,000 days to attain the age of 100 and 30 years. In the, in the grand scheme of things, 47,000 days sounds like a lot, but it's really not that many days, is it? But take into consideration this morning that the average lifespan of somewhere around 70 years to now is a whole lot less days than that. And yet, Jacob said, my days are few. If we live to be 70 years old, we only live to be 25,550 days old. If we are a little stronger and we're able to live to be 80 years old, we've only lived 29,200 days. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 90, verse number 10, the Bible says the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble, and they are soon gone. And we fly away. You know, it seems that Moses would agree with Jacob. Jacob said, my days not only are few, but he says they're evil. Moses said in writing what is found in the book of Psalm 90, he says that, uh, that those days are, uh, are soon gone, but he says they're but toil and trouble. Their span is but toil and trouble. Jacob says, I agree with you, my days are evil. You know, that tells me that having more days is not necessarily better. Jacob is having a whole lot more days probably than we'll ever have on this old earth. But just because he lived to be 130 does not mean that he had a better life than we do. You know, take into consideration the man that we read about back in the book of earlier in the book of Genesis by the name of Methuselah. Methuselah lived to be 969 years old. I didn't count up the days for that one. You can do the math on it. But 969. And what did he accomplish? 
Well, we don't know anything that he accomplished other than he got old. And he died the year of the flood, very possibly died in the flood itself. What did he accomplish? It does not mean because we have more days on this earth that they're necessarily better days. Think about Jacob again and understand what Jacob is saying. Think about all of the things that Jacob had been through. Uh, He had been forced to leave home, had he not, due to the wrath of his own brother because they had uh, made a deal earlier and, and Jacob had gotten Esau's birthright. Esau had been born a few minutes before Jacob and therefore he was the oldest son, but, but Jacob tricked him and got his birthright. And then, then he got the blessing from, from, Abraham, from Isaac, his father. And so Esau was very angry with him. And, and you remember when, when he finally decides to come home from being in a foreign land, he was afraid. He was afraid of what Esau was going to do. And so you've got that turmoil in the family. You've got him leaving his father and mother, going into a foreign country and being gone for years and years before he could return. And not only do you have that turmoil and that that problem, but we know that he had worked for seven years for the woman that he loved only to be tricked and then had to work another seven years before he could marry the woman that he loved. In his life and in his marriage, the woman that he loved so much was unable to bear him children for a long time. Finally, she bore a son by the name of Joseph that we mentioned in our scripture reading this morning. And eventually she would bear another son by the name of Benjamin, but she would give her life as she is bearing that son. She died in childbirth. And so Jacob had been through so much. His sons had had a hard time getting along. Uh, remember that Jacob, he favored Joseph and, his jo- uh, and Joseph's brothers hated him. And they hated him so much that they sold him as a slave. They went back and told their daddy, you know, they asked, is this, is this your son's coat of many colors? And they had put blood on it. And Jacob immediately thought, my son's been eaten alive by some wild animal. Oh, the hurt that he must have had. In his life. And, and we could talk about other things that took place in, in the life of, uh, of Jacob. But have you ever noticed how some folks, some families even, experience one tragedy after another? It just seems like they can't get over one until something else happens in their family, in their life. A sickness or a death or, or something else, a fire, uh, they lose their job or, or whatever it may be. No wonder both Jacob and Moses would tell us that life is full of toil, life is full of trouble. Even though our days are few, life sometimes treats us badly. But even for the best of us, we're going to have the good days, but We'll have some of those bad days as well, won't we? But that brings me to another idea here as we think about it. You know, the Bible teaches us that we should have a special regard for the aged. We think about Jacob being 130 years old, but the Bible teaches us about how that we are to have a special regard for the aged. In the book of Leviticus chapter 19 at verse 32, There Moses writes these words, he says, You shall stand up before the gray head, 
and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. This is a command that, that we're to have respect. The idea of standing up is to show respect to one who has attained to a number of years. That's what he's talking about by the gray head, by, by the one who has grown older. We're to have that respect according to the Old Testament, but we're also to have that respect according to the New Testament as well. You may look in your Bible at the book of 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 1. English Standard translates it in this way, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers. The word translated rebuke is only used one time in the New Testament. Now I didn't say the word rebuke is only used one time. The word that's used here in regard that's translated rebuke is only used one time in the New Testament. And it's a very interesting word. It literally means to strike upon, to beat upon, but it also evolved in its usage to mean to chastise with words, to chide, to upbraid, to rebuke. I, I just picked out one of those and I, I, I looked up the word upbraid. The word upbraid means to scold, to berate, to castigate, to lambast, to criticize. You see, that's what the writer here, Paul, is telling us not to do to an older person. You don't berate them. You don't chastise them. You don't upbraid them. You, you don't beat them down with your words. Two times this past week, and it just happened to be this past week, but two times this past week, I was in a line at a store. And there happened to be an elderly lady in front of me. And there's two different places and two different ladies. But, but they get checked out. And the cashier tells the lady, you know, you're, this is how much you owe. Well, the lady has been standing there waiting on all the groceries to get checked out. And finally, when she's told how much, she then begins to slowly... Open up her purse. And, and, and she looks down in her purse and, and she gets out her little pocketbook out of the purse. And she opens up the pocketbook and, and very nonchalantly begins to meticulously count out the, the dollars. And, and, and it had to be the exact change too because she dug out all the pennies and everything else and put it, put it out. And I'm standing here, and I'm in a hurry. I needed to get somewhere. And I'm thinking to myself, did you not know that you were going to have to pay when they checked out the groceries? Did you not know? Could you not have gotten ready, at least pulled out your pocketbook, but without having to dig through the purse with probably, I don't know, everything needed to move to, here, to China that's already in there? Did you not know that you had to do all of that? And both times, two different places and two different ladies, they did the same thing. And I'm in a hurry. And I'm wanting to say all these things, but I didn't. And you know what? It would have been wrong for me to have said it. Don't berate. Don't chastise. 
Don't beat down one with your words. Last week, I also went with my dad. Had to take him to two doctor's appointments. And, and one of them, he went to the urologist. The urologist needed a, a urine specimen. And so he goes into the, to the restroom and, and we wait. And the nurse comes back, and, and she wants to know, is he thinning? No. And we wait. And the nurse comes back and wants to know, is he finished? No. And so we wait. And I want to knock on the door and say, hey, uh, hurry up. But I didn't. The lady, the nurse, and I, we sort of laughed, and, and we had a little conversation there. It took 20 minutes to get one urine specimen. And while we're waiting, she eventually, she made the statement. She said, you know what? It's rough getting old, but we're all going to get there if we live. You know, she could have been impatient, but she wasn't. We could have, we could have said things, but we didn't. And it would have been wrong if we did. You know, we and you who are younger, you will eventually get old one day if the Lord tarries and, and nothing happens. You will get, get old. And you won't want someone beating you down. The Bible teaches us simply that we have a special regard for the age. But let's hurry along because our time is swiftly getting away this morning. You know what? There are some things for which age is required. Some things that we read about in, even in Scripture that age is required. A requirement that we have. Now, if you think about some everyday examples, you might think about a, a young person who just can't wait to get his driver's license, but you can't get your driver's license until you're a certain age. Or, or you may think about the idea of, uh, of, well, you know what, what I'd like to do is, is I'd like to be able to buy cigarettes and alcohol. I pray you'll never get that old, that you'll be able to do that, but you have to be a certain age in order to do that. Or, or maybe you think, well, I, I would like to vote, but you have to be a certain age you have to be a certain age to enter into a legal contract. There are other examples of things. But you know what? The Bible talks about some age-related issues as well. If you have your Bible, look at the book of Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. The Bible there says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine, they are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of, the God, uh, that the word of God may not be reviled. Let me ask you a question. Where do many younger women of our day... Where do they get their information about home and personal life? Where do they go? Somebody says, well, they go to friends. And they get the information about how to live from friends. And somebody else says, well, they probably go to the Internet. And you know what? That's probably true as well. Uh, 
especially in our day and time, we can't even get off of our phones. We're looking up everything. You just simply Google it. And everybody knows that everything on the Internet has just got to be that way. It is so true. And it's the way that we're supposed to be. You know what? In the movie, The Avengers, Thor, one of the characters, one of the superheroes on there, he makes a comment about his adopted brother, Loki, in part which says this, Loki's mind is far afield. And the reason for that, he is eaten up with a desire to have power and a desire to have revenge, even on Thor. You know what? I would suggest that in our day and time, there are some, especially younger women, whose mind is far afield. And it's because they have been taught perhaps by friends, perhaps by family, perhaps even by the Internet, that there are certain things that, that they should desire, certain things that they should do, certain ways that they should be and act. And as a result of that, they've been taught and their mind is far afield of what it should be. Ladies especially older ladies, but younger ladies as well at this point. Because what I'm about to say applies to all. Pay close attention to the last part of verse number 5. That the Word of God may not be reviled. That word reviled is, is a very interesting word. In this particular setting... It's a word which comes from the word that is sometimes translated blaspheme. Blaspheme. You know, to blaspheme something is to speak evil of, to speak against something. And in this case, the Bible teaches us that it is the word of God that may be blasphemed. Now, you may think of your own examples, but as you think about how our society is trying to impart knowledge and, and, and the wisdom of society into the, into the life of not just young men and women, but into the life of everybody, don't we know that there are some weird, strange, ungodly things out there? You know, if you get on there and you search about maybe a new mother researches her child, the new birth that's, that has just taken place, somebody's going to write about how you shouldn't tell that little baby that he is a boy or he is a girl. Just let him grow up and decide. That leads some folks' minds far afield. They're gone. And, and again, we could give others, but... You know, that doesn't harmonize with the Word of God. Amen. God created male and female. And you know what? When people get such false notions, and, and that's just one extreme notion, you know what they begin to do? They begin to speak evil of God's Word because God's Word specifies. And, and you know what happens when older Godly Christian women allow younger Christian women in particular 
to find out their information just from ungodly sources. It may be that even young Christian women began to have a wrong view of the Word of God. You know what happens when older women are not fulfilling their role of teaching the younger women? Unless they're stepping up, they may be contributing to the blaspheming of God's Word. You know what? That is big time stuff, isn't it? When we start talking about blaspheming the very Word of God. Older ladies, you need to be stepping up. Younger ladies, you need to be willing to allow the wisdom, the knowledge, and the godliness of these older women guide your life. And as far as your, your personal life and your home life as well, age is required. But not only that, if you stay in the book of uh, Titus chapter 2, back up one verse to verse number 2, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older men should become a stabilizing element even within the church. Now he's not talking about elders that uh, here in this particular passage that serve as elders in the church, as uh, holding an office, if you will, as being the leader of the church. But, but he's talking about older men. The context talks about that in, in regard in, in, and in comparison to a younger man. But as we look at it, as we think about it, these men are to be stabilizing forces. They're to be sober-minded. They're to think what is right. They're to be dignified, one translation of the, uh, this passage says. That is, they are to live worthy of respect in their own life. They're to be sound in the faith. The word sound means healthy. And hence, they are to have a healthy faith. They're to have a healthy love. And they are to have healthy steadfastness and endurance. And so as we look at them, older men have a responsibility to step up to the plate just like older women do, to be that example and to be that stabilizing force. And age is one of the things that helps us to do that. But very quickly, there are some things for which age is just helpful. Age is helpful. Number one, it may be that age is helpful in overcoming the world. In the book of 1 John, chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, John says, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you're strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. I want you to notice two times that John makes a contrast between the fathers who would be the older ones and the sons and the children. He makes that distinction between them. And as we look at it, he talks about how the fathers know him. Literally, you have come to know him and you continue to know him. 
You've come to know Him and you continue to know Jesus Christ. You continue to know God. And so it describes the experience that these, these fathers, these older men, have in their relationship with the Savior. And one thing that, as you look at it, one thing that is required to forge a strong metal is time. And one thing that is required to, to build that strong relationship is time. And these older men, again, are to be, be ones who are stabilizing forces. But as we look at that, notice in contrast, he talks about how the, the older men, the fathers, doesn't say they've overcome the world. That took place a long time ago, but they've maintained it. The younger ones, they learned, they learned they, they, there was a point in which they overcame the world by becoming a Christian. But sometimes these, these, these things of youth draw us away. And so, simply put, with that time, with that age, with that experience, we have more in overcoming the world. Not only that, but very quickly again, age is helpful in overcoming temptations. Temptation is the common lot of man. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15 says, Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed, watch this, by his own desire. Then he goes on and explains it's when that desire really grows up and you act on it, that's when you become a sinner. But I want to focus for just a moment on, on each one's desire. And while we're, while we're thinking about that, I would remind you of what uh, is said in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 22, where Paul writes these words. He says, So flee youthful lusts. Flee youthful lusts. The desires, the lusts, and the word that's translated desires there in the book of James, of, uh, of James is the same word that's translated lust in other places. When, there are different desires, different lusts for different ages. Things change. Life changes. Bodies change. And so these youthful lusts have been overcome by age and by time. The ones that, that Paul may have had in mind when he was writing about these youthful lusts are, 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 are these lusts that have the special appeal to young men. They would include such things as pride and ambition and conceit and love for the praise of men and even those desires of a sexual nature. The longer one resists, the stronger he becomes. Amen. How do I know that? In James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, James wrote about it. He says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, that is, endurance. And let steadfastness, let endurance, have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete Lacking nothing. 
You know, it's often been said that when we pray for patience, we're praying for, we're, we're praying for trials. We're, tra- we're praying for hardships because those are what train us. But again, the longer we endure, the longer we're steadfast, the more character it builds, and the greater strength that we build up in order to resist. Age is helpful in overcoming temptations. As we close this morning, may I ask each one of us who's sitting in this audience, how old are you? How old are you? Now, please don't answer that out loud. I don't want to get myself in trouble. How old are you? But I would add to that this. I'm not really concerned this morning with how many years you have spent on the earth. I'm not asking that. I'm more concerned with your spiritual age and maturity. How old are you? You know, newborn babes in Christ, they need the milk of the Word, according to Peter. And as we mature, we begin to feed on stronger food. Again, according to Peter. Good friends, if you're not maturing in your Christian life, if you're still stuck on the meat, or rather the milk of the Word, something is wrong. If you're not stronger and more dedicated as a Christian today than you were when you became a Christian some 10 or 25 or 50 years ago even, something is wrong. We need to be growing older in Christ, more mature, aging in our faith. For those this morning who are older in the faith, let's understand that With that maturity comes more responsibility. More responsibility toward others who are around us. But it also offers more rewards as well. This morning, a long time ago, Pharaoh asked Jacob, How many are the days of the years of your life? 130. They've been few. They've been evil. How many are the days of the years of your life as a Christian? Have you grown? Have you matured? Are you stronger? If not, maybe there's something wrong. We'd love to pray with you. Today may be the day that you want to set out. You may want it to be the birthday, if you will, not to be in any disrespectful to the Lord, but... It may be the day that you're born, want to be born into the kingdom of God by being immersed for the remission of your sins. If we can assist you in any way this morning, why don't you come right now?